From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Oh, oh, that's me. Whoops. I should have been paying attention. Maybe I shouldn't have smoked a joint before I started today. <laughs> Perhaps. Welcome back. This is episode 44 of the Cannabis Podcasts here in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic around the world. Still having all those same issues here in British Columbia. All things are starting to talk about opening up. Maybe we're coming out of isolation sometime soon. It's definitely a weird world we are in. Let's try to make some of that weirdness go away for the next 30 minutes or so. Have some discussion about some cannabis things. Like, for example, we're going to be speaking with Adine Fabiani Carter. She is the marketing director of High Park Company, a Tilray company, one of the licensed producers in our country. And we're going to talk about being in this pandemic. If you happen to have kids, what are the things that you should be paying attention to, to be a responsible parent and help your kids understand not only the pandemic, but get a better sense of cannabis as well. So that conversation is coming up. Plus, we're going to look at a cultivar that is always popular in Canada. It's Pink Kush. There's a bit of a history and a story to that. We dig up that story from Leafly. We will touch on that as well in this episode. Plus, we'll see if we can dig up some cannabis ramblings of what's happened over the last little bit and perhaps some news that's coming up about an opening here in the Okanagan sometime soon. All of that and more is coming your way on episode 44 of the Cannabis Podcast. I always find it interesting where the interviews come from since starting the podcast. Sometimes somebody has approached me about a topic that they want to discuss. I have approached somebody about an interest that I have, or I've had a suggestion from one of the listeners. This one came about because a message was sent to the wrong email address. I received an email about two or three weeks ago, and it was addressed to info at cannabispodcast.com, which is where you should send if you have any suggestions for me. But it was addressed to Natasha. I'm not Natasha, never have been. Through some further investigation, I realized that Natasha that they were referring to was Natasha Albert, who you may recall has been a guest on this podcast a couple of times. She's from Saskatoon. And in fact, Natasha has started her own podcast. It's about parenting with cannabis or parents with cannabis. Not sure where that connotation is, but you understand. So that was the intent of this original interview suggestion. I followed up, though, because I always like to have discussions. And this was with Aideen Fabiana Carter. And she is the marketing director for High Park Company, which is, of course, a cannabis LP. And the result is, I followed it up and did the interview. In fact, we picked that interview up just as I have welcomed Aideen to the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, let me give people a sense of, of who you are. So Adine Fabiani Carter is the chief marketing officer of High Park Company. And they are taking, as all companies are, lots of different measures in relation to COVID-19. So actually, if I can just start right at the heart of the situation, Adine, how are people at your company doing right now? You know what? Uh, I would say we're doing, we're doing well. We've certainly... Um, taken every effort to abide by the regulations. So all of the office personnel are working from home and we've certainly taken advantage of 
various pieces of technology in terms of ways to meet, whether it's face-to-face or just on a call, you know, sharing presentations, et cetera. And then, of course, in our production facilities where we do have people that are still going in on a daily basis, we have made sure that everybody feels safe. Um, We've taken measures to increase sanitation, making sure people are spaced out. So whether that is changing the number of people on a shift, um, changing the duration of the shifts, et cetera. Really, we've had an all-company cross-functional effort to ensure we're keeping our employees safe while still making products that people have come to depend on as evidenced by cannabis being deemed essential. Exactly. And, and, and that has a point that we have made many times on, on the podcast since this whole pandemic started, that cannabis is an essential service across our country, which as a longtime cannabis user, I'm fully in favor of. So, so I'm glad companies like yours are stepping up and keeping our supply line filled. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Aideen. No, I was going to say thank you for your, your support of it. It's quite incredible that cannabis has gone from being an illegal product just over 19 months ago to now being deemed essential. But I really commend the country, the consumers, the passionate advocates such as yourself for making sure that our voices have been heard Yeah, to and, ensure that it stays that way. And it is, when you think about it, it is astounding that 19 months ago, you, you, you couldn't even be caught walking down the street with it. And now, as you say, here we are in essential service. Wow. Yeah, we've just celebrated our second legal 420. Absolutely. Like, look at that. Absolutely. I, I celebrated with a number of people at the 420 Vancouver online yesterday because, uh, of course, we couldn't get together and do anything. So it, it is right. a different world and we're all figuring it out. That's right. To get back to kind of the focus of, of what we wanted to talk about today, I'm, I'm just going to read a bit of the information that I was sent. Uh, an, an Ipsos Reid poll found that 26% of Canadian parents use cannabis, which, of course, is known for its calming and sleep-inducing properties, which is especially useful in these times of crisis. But maybe if you're a parent, and I know many of the listeners of the Cannabis Podcast are, I certainly am, although my kids are are old and gone away, it's still important to me. But you know that governments across the country have announced that the the school students will be home from school for at least a month. And in many cases, the remainder of the school year is going to be canceled. They're still talking about that here in BC. My son is a teacher, so he's experiencing some of this himself. So the question we wanted to address today, Adine, is are there ways to use cannabis in quarantine safely when you are in close quarters with kids? And you, of course, with High Park Company, have some experience to share with us. So why don't we start with the first question of uh, how should we be storing our cannabis in that quarantine situation when we have kids around? Sure. And great questions. And again, I'm glad that you're you're bringing this up so that people who are curious have a responsible place to go and get their information. I'm a parent as well. I have a 10-year-old and a 16-year-old at home. So, and I'm, you know, quarantining with them. So, uh, it's absolutely relevant and timely question. So, first and foremost, every product that you buy from the legal market comes in childproof packaging. So, you know that when you get it home, it shouldn't be accessible to your children by the way it's packaged if you've bought it from a legal source. Um, So whether that's online or from one of the the government permissible dispensaries, you're going to have it in a child-proof packaging. And I can tell you some of those are very hard to open. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, I have a a challenge getting into some of them. So definitely, they're (laughs) child-proof. I I often think, actually, Adine, that they are (laughs) senior-proof. Oh, my gosh, (laughs) I agree. Yeah, it's so hard to open them up, but, but carry on. Yeah. And then, you know, once you've once you've opened it, I think it really comes into common sense. So there's a number of products that we have in our house that are 
not meant to get into the hands of children that would certainly be, you know, toxic, which cannabis is not, um, whether that's a Tide Pod or, you know, high proof alcohol, right? And and so I think it's interesting where people are very accustomed to how they would store their wine and spirits. Um, and ideally, all of the grownups that purchase these products are using common sense and making sure it stays out of the hands of children. Children are great imitators and certainly they look to their parents as the people to imitate. So if they see you grabbing for something, they're going to think it's safe. So keep it at a safe distance, keep it up high, be mindful if you're consuming in front of your children. Certainly there's discrete forms of cannabis now, whether it's a gummy or a mint or a chocolate, like our chowy wowie chocolates that, you know, delicious chocolate and everybody knows how to eat chocolate. So make sure that you're keeping it out of the reach of your kids. Um, if they're of a certain age, you know, younger. And if they're a little bit older, and, you know, my 16-year-old, he's a lot taller than I am, so there's nowhere that I can hide <laughs> it at a height that, that he can't access. But make sure you're having those conversations so that they know that there's stuff in the house that they just can't consume because they're not of age and it's against the law. Yeah, and, and we have to be upfront about those discussions. It, it, it has to be right in their face, right, to, to make sure that we the point do. gets across. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about the open conversations, you know, especially my 16-year-old. He knows what I do for a living. There's nothing... There's nothing shameful about it. And I think the more we can talk and have open dialogues and say, yes, this is a great alternative for many people, you know, myself included, CBD drops before bed helps me sleep incredibly. Um, But not when you're 16, you know, the same conversations that we would have about having, you know, if I'm having a Negroni. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Not you, not yet. Yeah. Yeah. And and just as a bit of an aside, I, I will um, validate that your chowy wowie is delicious chocolate. <laughs> I have tried. Isn't it? I have. Oh, yeah, absolutely delicious. I thoroughly enjoyed that. In this world, we've got kids around where we're trying to consume. Are there any safety measures? Well, we already talked about the safety measures that are in the packaging, the the childproof or us. I like to call the senior proof packaging. That that I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I need to get a pair of pliers to open those up. So definitely, no <laughs> kids are getting in there. What do we see, Adine, in the government regulations that are protecting families in situations like this? Um, I, I'm not sure I understand the question. Do you mean specifically in the packaging or in terms of how distribution is happening? Well, really just in, in I guess, in, it probably would be more related to the distribution of the product in, in terms of the government regulations and, and how that is helping to protect our families. Yeah, so, you know, a number of stores have closed across all categories. Certainly cannabis is included. And so in Ontario here where I live, um, they've moved to free delivery if you order online. So that removes one of the barriers that some people may have felt if they're purchasing through e-commerce. So now if you order online, it gets delivered for free. The delivery personnel are no longer collecting signatures um, just to keep everybody safe. So now you just go to your local postal outlet, which is often located within a a drugstore. So hopefully you can integrate it into a trip that you might already be making, um, you know, to get your Tylenol or your Band-Aids or your vitamins or whatever you might be buying um, and picking it up there where the people behind the counter can you know, make sure that they're continually washing their desk and things like that. Whereas, you know, postal workers, they don't know if people are keeping their mailboxes clean, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So certainly the cannabis that's coming into your house, you're picking it up from a place that you know is being cleaned often and you can clean the packaging when you get home. Um, One thing that I will say, you know, in terms of from from the point of initiation is that 
cannabis facilities are very, very clean. So if you've never had the opportunity to tour one, everybody wears personal protective gear. People wash their hands all the time. It's it's a high degree of sanitation in any condition. Certainly all of that has been stepped up. So people should feel comfortable that it's coming from a very clean, highly regulated facility. And the the Canada Post has made sure that the delivery is as safe as possible. And so when you get it to your home, you should know that our government is really taking great strides to ensure the safety of everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very good point. Thanks for raising that. Now, we have already talked about talking with your kids. I'm wondering, Dean, if you have any further advice to give to people who have, uh, and, and let's look at various ages. So we know that you have a 16-year-old and a, and a 10-year-old, I believe you said. And yep. within that, even lower of that, should you be talking to your kids when, when they're six or seven, giving them a sense, or, or should you be waiting until they're a teenager before you dive into those details? Well, I, you know, obviously I'm not a child psychology expert, but... Neither um, am I. I think... You know, I'm a very open person, and I think if there's something that your children are curious about, I would never be one to say, let's not talk about it. I believe openness is the best policy, and let your kids guide the degree to which they're comfortable talking about things. So my children know what I do for a living. Um, for my daughter, who's 10, you know, the medicine aspect is maybe more interesting to her, whereas my teenager might be more interested in the, you know, the recreational aspects of it. Um but the fact that it's a plant, it comes from a plant the same way that grapes are a plant and except there's far more healing benefits from cannabis than you could find in alcohol. And I think there's, there's so much science that you can talk about that you're never too young to have those conversations about plants have healing properties and the same way that certain vegetables are good for you and certain fruits are good for you, this is a plant that has different effects on the body and you know if you really want to be my daughter's really into science you could talk about the endocannabinoid system she's studying right now you know the beauty of all the kids being at home is I have a greater lens into what she's seeing so yesterday she was learning about the digestive system and the respiratory system it's just another system in the body yeah absolutely so I think, you know taking away any stigma but also saying there's certain things you just don't take I mean I think that personally, there's enough proxies to normal daily life that you could make really simple. Like there's children's Tylenol and there's adults Tylenol. If I have a sore back, I can take a Robaxis set. That's not appropriate for my 10-year-old child, but it's okay for me. So I think, you know, let your kids be the guide and satisfy their curiosity and just try and make sure that they know what's okay for them and what's not okay for them. But just because it's not okay for them doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means they're kids. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. And and those are really relevant points. Thank you. Thank you for making those as well. Through the course of our conversation, I've I've got the impression that you partake in cannabis in some degree. Would that be a correct assumption? Correct. Excellent. And yep. and the reason why I say excellent is I find that that the the discussion and and the, the tenor to our conversations is often affected by those who use the product and have a a bit more of a passion involved in it. And I can hear I can hear that in your voice too. So I appreciate that, that you are involved in it from that perspective and, and have that personal involvement too. Where do you see your company, High Park Company, going in this year as, as this pandemic continues? Let's assume that we're still going to be weeks and, and perhaps months into this, this situation. Where do you think and, and what do you, effect do you think this is going to have on High Park as, as we move forward? 
Um, you know what? I think we we are definitely positioned to adapt to the environment that is around us. So people's consumption, you know, we're, I mean, for the data that's available, we're not seeing consumption declining. So we will continue to produce. Of course, we are part of Tilray, uh, which is a medical company and certainly absolutely no stop in products that are being delivered to our patients. I think, you know, cannabis hasn't found its normal yet because it's only a year and a half old and we had a launch and then we had a launch of edibles and now we have dealing with this pandemic. So it's not like we have to pivot from normal because we've been in such a high growth and highly volatile space since it started um, that I think we're just, we're just going to keep on adapting to the environment and we are looking at it as a, as a marathon and not a sprint and we're here for the long haul. And this is just something, you know, I don't know if the world will ever return to what we previously viewed as normal. And so we are just, we're adapting, doing the best to serve our customers, serve our consumers, make sure we've got the products that people have come to count on. And we're really honored to have consumers that choose our products very regularly. And our priority is do whatever we need to do to ensure we can continue the uninterrupted supply of those products to the best of our ability. Excellent. And, and I love that phrasing you use, and, and, and I may steal it. Uh, cannabis hasn't found its normal yet. I, I loved your phrasing in that. That's exactly oh, well, what the situation is. Yeah. And so I think with that, you know, we all just have to sit and be really honored to be on this journey. It's amazing. Canada's done this incredible thing, and I'm certainly honored to be a part of it. And honored to have so many partners along the way with our customers across the country and the consumers who, you know, give us the honor of their sales and giving us feedback on Reddit. And we read everything, we watch everything. So to consumers who are listening, please keep the comments coming. And we're just on this journey together. Yeah, it's it's so true, Dean. We, we absolutely are. So let me, let me, if I could, finish up with what I refer to as my hot tea questions. Every, every guest, and that's another reason oh why I wanted to know. Oh they're boy. not that difficult. <laughs> but that's another reason why I wanted to know if you consumed. Because if you don't consume, these questions are really redundant. So um, do you have a favorite strain? You know what? I am a, I am a CBD consumer. Just CBD? So more in the, more in the oil. Yeah, that's my go-to. Okay. Okay. Yep. Then, uh, and how are you consuming your uh, CBD? Is it mostly in uh, vaporizing or are you doing it through pills or some other form? Oral oil okay. and, uh, and then, you know, the Chowie Wowie balanced chocolate would be definitely like a before bed luxury. Ah, yes. And, and so the, are any of the, well, the Chowie Wowies would be in, in edible format. So edible and, uh, oils is pretty well what you're into. Yep. That's right. Okay. Excellent. And um, when you are consuming, um, realizing that the CBD is going to give you a different effect than, than the high from the THC is going to be, do you have something that you, that you like to go to? What's your, well, I'll still refer to it as what your favorite munchie would be. Oh, my favorite munchie? Like snack? Yeah. That's um, an important part of cannabis. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, you know, um, what I would say is if before bed um, I'm having, you know what, actually my go-to lately before bed has been the Every Tea. So there's a vanilla rooibos oh, tea nice. that is absolutely to die for. So if I'm having the vanilla tea from Every, I would say something a little bit sweet. Okay. 
Okay, a little nice. bit sweet. Yeah, I yeah. And um, if I'm having the Arisa oral oil, that just on its own doesn't go with the snack. And the Chowie Wowie, it's it's just its own little <laughs> it is its snack, enjoyment yeah. all unto itself. <laughs> Nothing further required. <laughs> <laughs> can can you give me a sense, Dean? Uh, I haven't used a lot of CBD. And, okay. and I've had, you know, in my position as a bud tender, I've had lots of people coming in and, and, and have had those like you who suggest that some CBD helps them sleep. And mm-hmm. yet, yet scientifically, there's, there's not a lot that says that it should be inducing sleep. So I'm wondering when you first discovered that and, and, and how you discovered that it helps you sleep. Well, I, you know, I did my own reading because, of course, we can't talk about effects and you can't talk to bud tenders and you know that's something that whatever no medical advice none of that no medical advice and we're not allowed to talk about the effects of products so to be clear i'm only talking about you know what works for me of course um but i find you know if i go back to the the every teas there's something about the ritual of steeping a tea bag that just feels inherently relaxing and then the smell of it is so delicious and soothing that I think the entire ritual I find very calming. Okay. Um, and it just it just helps me to slow down a little bit. You know, you can imagine that this industry is very fast paced and there's a lot going on, and it just helps to slow down for me. Okay, and, and that to me makes sense, regardless of, of which part of the cannabis you're using. It is all contextual. It's it's the situation you're in. As, as you're saying, if you're coming into the end of your night and, and you're looking for some relaxation and your routine is taking you there, then you're going to have a beneficial effect of that. So I understand that now more. That's right. Whereas that, you know, the chowie wowie might be a bit more of the relaxation that I would want at the end of a long day of work, but not necessarily right before bed, you know, because the mix of the, the CBD and the THC would maybe help me for the, you know, to feel great for the couple of hours in the evening while I'm still awake. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. But there's lots of people who would swear by THC to help them sleep. So it really is personal. It is. And, and that's, this is the one thing that we always have to remember anytime we're talking about either any form of cannabis. It is such a personal and individual experience and reaction. There is no blanket statement about how it's going to affect you. So thanks for clarifying that, too. That's right. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for taking some time to speak with me and with my listeners on the Cannabis Podcast today. Adine, do you have any final words you'd like to pass on either in relation to High Park, where your future is, or just simply where our country is and and some thoughts you'd like to leave people with? I'd just like to say that, you know, there's, there's great products out there for people try, you know, obviously I'm really biased towards Chowie Wowies I've talked about and every tea as my personal favorites. Um, We've got a Canica brand that has flour and vapes that if that's if that's the products that you choose, the Canica vape is, it, it's an incredible value for the potency and it's just pure oil. There's no additive. So it's definitely a very safe product that's on the market. Nice. What I always want to leave everyone with is start low, go slow. It's not a race. So while it's fun to experiment with all of the new products that are out there, it does affect everybody differently. So just make sure that you're trying it, you know, you try a little bit, wait and see how you feel before you try some more because what we want is people to enjoy themselves while they're using our products but to do it in a safe controllable way and one that they would be interested in repeating nobody's looking to you know have a night that 
doesn't go the way you had planned because you <laughs> overconsumed. Exactly. Nobody, nobody wants that. And Nobody I, wants that. And, and I hope in the future that your phrase that cannabis hasn't found as normal yet will be replaced by cannabis has found as normal. And, and <laughs> yeah. we can get rid of the stigma. If I had that, a crystal ball, I could tell you when that would happen. Yeah, but. could you say the <laughs> J- July 13th, uh, 2021, perhaps? Maybe? Oh, yeah, exactly. We'll write that down. Thank you so much for taking some time today, Adine. You enjoy the rest of your day and stay healthy. Thank you. You as well. Bye-bye. All right, take care. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Now let's turn our attention to one of the items that I spoke about off the top. Why is Pink Kush such a big deal in Canada? Here's the story from Leafly.ca. Pink Kush. It smells good, looks good, burns good, and according to Leafly reviewers, it feels oh so good. Grown and produced right across the country, this well-known strain is a huge hit in Canada, and the second most searched for strain among Canadian readers, right after Blue Dream. But surprisingly, the pink kush love isn't felt as strongly in the U.S. where its search popularity sinks into the hundreds. Canadians and Americans share an abundance of sociocultural similarities, including amazing national parks, an obsession with organized sports, although they're on hold for the time being, and a love for mac and cheese, which isn't on hold for the time being, So what could be driving this dissonance in our weed preferences? Well, a closer look at Pink Kush reveals little in the way of an answer. It's a Canadian story that begins like most legends, with rumor and a speculation forming a loose history not everyone can agree on. (laughs) Of course, that's not just unique to cannabis, is it? A simplified family tree begins with Hindu Kush, a sedating landrace strain named after its Himalayan origin. That mother strain gave rise to American-made OG Kush, the generally agreed-upon close relative, if not direct parent, of Pink Kush. The Kush cannabis family made its way into B.C. via the U.S. in probably the mid to late 2000s, according to Kip Rowe of Shelter Brands. As the Kush craze hit the west coast of the U.S., there were a lot of stories stating one of these OG cuts made it up to B.C., he explains. This could explain Pink Kush's origin, but quite frankly, without hard lab data and a chain of custody, All cultivar lineage explanations are simply someone's story. Well, once Pink Kush made its BC debut, word of its potency spread fast. Rose says cloning houses on the Sunshine Coast, Interior, and Kootenays quickly proliferated the strain en masse since growers could get much higher prices for it, while consumer demand made it easy for brokers to buy and sell. Says Rowe, it was Pink Kush, then all the rest. But is it really pink? Forget the name for a second. The Pink Kush experience starts with a scent. You cannot beat the smell, says Michelle Tapler, Aurora Cannabis' senior director of branding. The company's San Rafael 71 Pink Kush is one of Aurora's top sellers, and it is one that I think we, in fact, have sampled here on the Cannabis Podcast. She says it's a very beautiful, earthy pine aroma with hints of citrus. A close inspection of the small, dense buds reveals pink-hued hairs under frosty trichomes. Tapler confirms its unique pink color inspire the memorable street name, though she notes that Aurora's San Rafael 71 product has more of a purple hue. Where Pink Kush really delivers is in its effect, a powerful, full-body narcotic feeling mostly thanks to its high THC content, which can range anywhere between 20 to 30 percent. Taffer calls it calming and relaxing. Rowe describes it as a nighttime knockout. Habitat Craft Cannabis CEO Rudy Scheibel qualifies the Pink Kush experience as An efficient high if you want to have a cannabis experience that doesn't put you out, but is also very intense. 
That intensity inspired Habitat to breed Pinkush into some of their hybrids to create a heavy-hitting line of craft cannabis they named Caviar. Why so much love in Canada? Well, after a solid decade of popularity with no sign of stopping, does Pink Kush reflect a uniquely Canadian preference like that for bagged milk and ketchup chips? <laughs> I forgot that ketchup chips are uniquely Canadian. Or does our love of this strain reveal nothing more than market naivete? Thanks to its raging popularity in the legacy market, Pink Kush became a household name synonymous with Couchlock. Today, with Canada's strict labeling laws making it hard for consumers to decipher one product from another, Pink Kush's street reputation is just as valuable as its THC levels on the label. Scheibel compares this to the U.S., especially California, where experiences and effects based on terpenes and other cannabinoids beyond THC are more easily shared by growers. Growers and retailers in the States, he says, are a little more free to talk about those types of things and move to more of a terroir craft production, so to speak, whereas Canada has been limited to warning labels. Our affinity for Pink Kush may also stem from its origin on the Pacific coast, where a notoriously good BC bud was born regardless of strain or cultivar. But Rowe notes that Pink Kush came onto the scene long after the original BC bud craze in the 90s. A super consistent strain it is. Well, maybe Canadians just like consistency, which is one of Taffler's theories as to why Pink Kush sells so well. The effects aren't going to vary with the strain or the batch, he says. It's a super consistent product, which I believe is one of the secrets to its success. Well, just like with food or wine, however, consumer tastes for weed are constantly shifting and changing, and Pink Kush may naturally cycle out a favor. Scheibel suspects it's already happening. It's very cyclical. There are well-known strains like Bubba Kush, Master Kush, and Rockstar Kush that have all had their time in the sun. With an eye on cannabis terroir-obsessed California, where food and wine trends also trickle out from, Scheibel's team is confident Canadian consumers will also grow more curious about where their weed is grown, how it's grown, and more nuanced things like phenotyping. In other words, Pink Kush won't be forgotten, but it will make way for newer, sexier strains that appeal to a more selective market. And now you have a better understanding, perhaps, of why Pink Kush is so darn popular above the 49th parallel. I've had it a few times. I've enjoyed the taste. It does have a nice, sweet aroma. And a pretty good effect, too, from an Indica perspective. And I, I'm pretty sure that we did review San Rafael 71's Pink Kush at one point on the Cannabis Podcast. What are we smoking today? The inspiration for today's show is actually coming from Pure Sun Farms. They, we talked about their Indica, their one-ounce Indica that we picked up a little while ago and actually sampled on Cultivar Corner. But now the motivation is coming from Pure Sun Farms' Sativa Blend. So they have a 14-gram package of sativa. It's at about 17% THC. No, 15% THC. So a little lower than I like, but the terpenes that match it, it's a nice little blend. It works pretty well for me, and it gives me a really nice buzz during the day. So that has been the motivation for today. And let's get to the other story that I wanted to touch on this week. And that is something that I've been teasing for a while, that... I'm going to get back into the into the cannabis retail world. It's been a long time coming. I have been in discussion with the owner of the store actually for a number of months. It's another piece of evidence relating to the slowness at which BC has been progressing with approving retail licenses. We've talked about it ever since the start of the podcast. Suffice to say, the license finally came through. And on May 22nd, Write it down on your calendars. And if you are in the Kelowna area, I'd love for you to drop into the store and say hi. Love to meet you. 
Spirit Leaf. Spirit Leaf Kelowna is opening on May 22nd, and I am so happy to say that I am going to be a part of that team that brings that store to life and brings their entire philosophy. And one of the first things that intrigued me or interested me about Spirit Leaf was their philosophy. Spirit Leaf is about enjoying life with those who make us happy and viewing every day as an opportunity to try something new. As soon as I came across that philosophy in investigating Spirit Leaf, I thought, you know, that really speaks to me. That, that really is me. I like the, the franchise philosophy. I like the company philosophy. Darren Bondar is the founder of Spirit Leaf. I have not had a chance to meet him yet. The store is ready. It has been ready for a while in terms of fixtures. We're getting all the stock together and it is going to be a blast. We got a great team lined up. And if you are in the Okanagan area and you want to come across the bridge from the West Kelowna Spirit Leaf store to try something new, come and see us. It's Spirit Leaf and the store will open on May 22nd. And I am so happy to be part of that team. And that just about wraps it up for another episode, episode 44 of the Cannabis Podcast. You may be saying to yourself, well, I thought you said last time that there was going to be an interview with somebody about growing. Well, I thought there was going to be two. <laughs> I haven't given up and Chris hasn't given up either. We will try to get together and slide that in. If you have any suggestions for stories that you think I should cover or people that should be interviewed, send me a note, info at CannabisPodcast.com. And of course, you can find the link to today's story back at CannabisPodcast.com. And that wraps it up for episode 44 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon And I'm Saba. And we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout Podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we break, break it all down. down.